Turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, I want to, um, well, since we're talking about fruit, we'll say plow some familiar ground. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, most of us probably have this memorized, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such things there is no law. Or you may know it better by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Depending on your translation, none of those are incorrect. They're just different ways of saying some similar concepts. And so we really just want to look at those two verses today and kind of put us into a remembrance of what this means. And I want to start with thinking about what it means to be fruit or to have fruit. That's something that blossoms, that develops over a period of time. It is the uh, beneficial result. It's something that comes from something else. It is produced and it is produced in a quantity. And so this very idea that we have in Galatians chapter 5 and 22 is that the fruit of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, produces these things inside those of us who are believers. It is not produced inside of those who are not believers, who have not professed their faith to the Lord and been led to salvation. But it is the things that come out of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And a couple of just make sure we understand what is being said here. It is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not in and of my own will. I cannot will these things to happen. I cannot make them to happen. It is the um, fruit or the um, things that come from the Holy Spirit. But it does work the other way. I can keep these things from happening. I can live a life in such a way that prevents these things from occurring, even if I have come to know the Lord as my Savior. And so when we look through this list, and we're going to very quickly kind of go down each of these just to put us in remembrance of things that should be blossoming or blooming out of our lives on a daily and reoccurring basis, we should remember that, A, I'm not producing this myself, but I can prevent them from being produced. I can make choices in my life. I can put things before my eyes and in front of my face and in my ears and with my hands and do things that prevent this from happening. I can choose not to engage in these things. But if I want them to grow, then rather than try and do it of my own strength, I must go to the Lord, who's the one that provides the growth. It's not our own effort, but rather something that's produced by the Spirit inside of us. So let's look at each one of these today. Again, this will be rather brief. You know, this could be an entire uh, series of these uh, nine or so um, attributes uh, that we're looking at. But let's just kind of go through them quickly today. And as I do this, I want us to really consider which of these are you excelling at? And which of these do you need to let the Lord work more on in your life? It's not like any one of these is takes the place as in, well, as long as I have love, I can forget the rest of them. These are all fruits. This is a grouping of fruits. These are all things that should be blooming and occurring in the life of the believer. While, yes, some of us may have more abundance of a certain type than others, we shouldn't exclude any of them at all. And so as I go through here, consider 
where you are doing well and where you need improvement. And if you find an area that you need improvement, then go to the Lord and seek for that. Of course, the first one we have here listed is love. Maybe I don't need a lot of explanation for that one, but maybe I do. Love is really confused in our society. We've talked about this before. Most people will think of love as some type of feeling. And certainly we can say that there is a feeling of love. But love is also a choice. And the love that is being talked about in this passage is the agape love. It's the unconditional love. It's choosing uh, to love someone else unconditionally. It's the type of love that Christ gave to us. It's the type of love that we should have one for another. There's a love for a a friendship or a a brotherhood or a sisterhood that you might have. There's a love for a spouse or someone like that. But then there is a love that is unconditional and one that we should have. Again, it's not just a feeling. It's a choice when you've made a commitment to love someone. It's the choice to be kind, to sacrifice, and to consider the other person's needs greater than our own. And this is where this type of love gets really hard because it's very easy for us to want to put our needs above someone else's needs. But this type of love demands that we place their needs above our own. Love is the greatest gift that God has given us. We can read a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians about that, can't we? Again, familiar ground to many of us. Love is important. In fact, we know that Scripture says in John 15 and 13 that greater love has no man than this, no one than this, but that one lay down his life for his friends. <clears throat> and of course, we know exactly who is the model of love, the one that we should be looking after, the one who, if we want to have more love in our life, in addition to allowing the Holy Spirit to, to bloom that, we should model our lives after whom? After Jesus Christ, because he is the ultimate example of someone who loved unconditionally, even to the point of death for us. The next one we're looking at is joy. How many of you have a lot of joy in your life? Joy is different than happiness. That's a whole other study. But joy, the word here, means a, a natural reaction to God's work. A natural reaction to God's work. We have joy because God has given us an abundant amount of grace. And as I always like to point out, possessing joy is a choice. We can choose not to be joyful. We can choose to see the things that God has given before us and choose not to engage in that. Or we can choose to be joyful and rejoice with the things that God has given us. What's the key to this? Well, I really think it's Valuing God's presence and promise and work in our lives and yielding to the Holy Spirit. You see, joy can be taken from us. We can choose not to be joyful when we base everything that we do on ourselves or on what someone else does for us. And you know what? Someone else is always going to do what? Let us down. There will always be times in our lives when we're not joyful because of what someone else did for us. And during those times, it's even more important that we look to God, that we look to Jesus Christ and find our joy in Him because He will never let us down. 
And so when we have times that we don't have joy or feel as we are not joyful, again, and we want that, that fruit to bloom inside of us, we should look unto him who is perfect, who will never let us down, who has never let us down, and find joy in that. Romans 15 and 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now again, it's for another day, but there is a difference between hope and joy and certainly a difference between happiness. But we see in this one verse that God, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. So we get our joy from God. And if we want joy in our lives, and most of us would probably say that we do, rather than try to continue to do it on our own to produce this fruit that we cannot uh, produce or to depend on someone else who's going to let us down, we should allow God to fill us with joy. And that joy obviously will come out, again, blossom, bloom, produce to those who are around us. And part of how they will know us is by the joy that we have. Of course, that verse I read also mentions peace. Peace is a very difficult thing to find, isn't it? Peace is a harmonious relationship with God. A harmonious relationship with God. And so what that means is if you don't have a relationship with God, then you don't have peace. If you've never been born again, if you've never experienced the saving grace of God, then you don't have peace. In fact, you're the actual opposite with God. You are an enemy of God, is what the scripture tells us. You can never be at peace with God until you submit to him and seek him for salvation. But when you do, you receive the peace, as the scripture says, that passes all understanding. The peace that passes all understanding. And of course, after that, we continue, just like these others, to have a choice here. We can continue to seek the Lord and continue to live a life that is worthy of our calling and have the peace of God dwell inside of us so we can do things that are the opposite. That harmonious relationship with God is what peace is. And with others, we should have peace as well. You and I should have peace between us. We should have peace uh, between our family. We should have peace between the strangers that we meet on the road. We should have as much peace as possible. But we must also keep in mind what the scripture tells us, that that as much as it uh, uh, is up to us, we should have peace. Let me just read that because I just messed that up. Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. If it be possible, as much as it lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans twelve eighteen. You see, this is important, and it's not, it's not a cop-out, right? It's not a shortcoming. But what I think God is trying to tell us through this scripture is, will we always have peace with those on the outside? No. We're always going to have strife. We're always going to have struggles. We're always going to have problems with our friends and our family and our relatives and all those that we work with and everybody that we come in contact with. We are going to have trouble with them because we live in what? A fallen world. But as much as it is possible with me, I should live at peace with others. Does that mean that everyone's going to like me? 
Absolutely not. And I could list a few names of people who I know don't like me. And I bet there's people who I think like me that don't. And we could all probably go on this list, right? But as much as it is possible with me, I should live at peace with other people. This is what God wants us to do. As much as He wants us to be at peace with Him, He desires and commands for us to be at peace with others. And if we struggle with peace, if we need more peace in our lives, who can produce peace? The Holy Spirit, you see. That is who we should seek after to keep that perfect peace. As much as possible when we deal with other people, we should strive for peace. And that comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit with us as we engage the world who doesn't know the Lord. Patience, or as the King James says, long-suffering. It's translated long-suffering because it's really two words joined together when I look this up. That means long and temper. Long-suffering, this idea that we're going to uh, put up with something for a long time. Most of us don't like that word, do we? Oh, be honest. Most of us don't like this concept. There is a difference between this and what we might think of when we think of long-suffering or patience. It does not, uh, is not the same word that means to remain under or to bear up under a burden. That's a different type of patience and suffering. This, again, is long-suffering. It means that uh, a patient person endures pain and suffering without complaining. Ooh. How long? A long time. That's the root of the word. Who in here enjoys pain and suffering? Didn't see any hands. No one likes this. Doesn't mean that we don't ever complain, that we don't have a hard day, but it means that we are to have long suffering, that we are to put up with the pain and suffering without complaining. And it means that we must be slow to anger as we wait on God to comfort. Many of us get put in different positions throughout our lives at different times that we don't like where we're at, we don't like the things that are going on. We might become angry and bitter over them, and this is exactly the wrong attitude. It doesn't mean that if I'm having some physical problem that I would enjoy the problem, but it means that I put my hope in God and I ask for His, again, the rest of these fruits, His peace and His patience and His long-suffering that I can uh, um, get through the situation knowing that He is the one who loves me. He is the one who cares. And really, it comes from a position of power. Because if I was just depending on myself, I couldn't do it. We can't just add patience of our own might and our own will. We're going to lose every time. And patience is difficult. Patience can go in a heartbeat. Romans 9 and 22 reminds us, It says, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? Now that verse is pulled out and nested in this concept that we are made of the earth and are basically vessels, uh, uh, pots, jars of clay, destined for destruction at some point. But the idea is that God has been patient with us long-suffering. Why? So that we can know Him. And brothers and sisters, when we think we've waited long enough, 
when we think we've been patient long enough, when we think we don't want to suffer long anymore, or to continue having a positive attitude and a good temper, let us never ever forget how long God has been waiting for us. And aren't we glad that He waited? Aren't we glad that He continued to call after me until I one day finally responded to Him? But we're also warned that His patience doesn't last forever. At some token, at some point, God will say, enough is enough. I have given every opportunity that I am going to give, and you have no opportunity no more. And so if you have not experienced the saving grace of God, do not depend on having an opportunity after an opportunity after an opportunity. And for those of us who have, let us remember when we have to be patient or long-suffering to someone else or under a circumstance that we don't like, that God was patient and long-suffering for us. We need another example of that. Again, look to Christ as the author and perfecter of this. How many times was he patient with the disciples? Over and over again. They just didn't get it. They didn't even get it after it was over. He died and resurrected. They're like, well, I guess we're done after this. Brothers and sisters, if he can live patiently with these men who didn't get it for three years, never lose his temper, but still love every single one of them, he will be patient with us. And if we want patience to deal with these circumstances, then let us seek the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to produce this patience that is unusual in our society today. Of course, we're also supposed to have kindness or gentleness, your translation may say. This means a, a tender concern for something, probably someone more of an, an uprightness. It's the characteristic that God has toward us. When he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by, our, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this idea that we have kindness toward one another is a fruit that should be growing just as it was exampled for us in Christ. He didn't have to do what he did. He did it out of obedience. And he did it because he loved us and he did it out of kindness. And we saw that. And we think about Christ. It says he went to the cross for the hope of us. We are to be kind and tenderhearted. We are to be benevolent. We are to be helpful for other people. And then every action that we take to do that to someone else should have with it this idea that God's love is flowing through us when we are good to other people. But here's the thing. Who are we supposed to be good to? It's not restricted. It might be really good to be good to our family. It might be even good and easy to be good to our uh, fellow church members, but you know who it's very difficult to be good to? Remember that I said people who don't like me? Yeah, those people. It's really hard to be good to them. And what do I need if I want to be good to 
all of those who I have contact with. I need the strength of the Holy Spirit living inside me that produces this goodness, that um, encourages me to be good to other people. This is not something that we just manufacture of our own. I can't just be good. I can be nice to people. We're reminded that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And so if we want to be good to other people, and we want to be nice and kind and take care of them, even the people that we don't like, what do we need? We need the Spirit of God living inside of us to help us do this with other people. We cannot and will not produce it simply on our own. We must be motivated by righteousness and a desire to be pleasing to others. Scripture also says faith or faithfulness. This is a steadfast consistency and allegiance, keeping to what we are entrusted with. Faithfulness. Believing that God is who He said He is. Functionally, if you want to Divide this down. We must believe that the Bible is true and that God is who He said He is. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we must walk by faith, not by sight. That faith is vitally important, both not only to the point of salvation that we must have faith, but then afterwards we must have faith in God. And if we want to have more faith, if we want to have more of the things that come from faithfulness, again, we need more of the Holy Spirit living inside of our lives, producing that faith to continue on, that faithfulness that we need. Because brothers and sisters, as I've already talked about some of the opposite of these, these things aren't always easy, is it? These times in our lives when we have struggles, when we have challenges, when we have needs, are times that we must remain faithful to God, and that must come from the Holy Spirit living inside of us, dwelling in us, and helping us to become more faithful. And it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to be faithful. Now, gentleness, this one gets confused a lot. King James calls it meekness. Not to be confused with weakness at all. In fact, the scriptures talk about Jesus Christ and they talk about how he was meek. But all you have to do is read through the scriptures and you see that he wasn't meek in the way that we think of the word meekness, like a pushover or weakness. Jesus Christ would stand toe-to-toe with someone and tell them the truth and speak into their lives, but he always did it at a position of what? Of love, but also out of authority. Because he knew he was right because he was right. And so he would call the Pharisees, the rulers, uh, walk up to an attorney, if you will, and tell them that they're wrong and teach them about the law. Many, many times I think we really confuse this as Christians. We let people get away with things because we want to be nice and gentle to them because we don't have the right answers and perhaps we ourselves are weak. What we need is the boldness that comes from the power of God, not from my own mind. The boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of me is what is required, not from my own mind. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. 
And we see this all through Scripture, especially if you go and read the book of Acts and we see the early church and how the disciples would go out and those who were converted would go out and preach the Word of God and people would make note and say, these men have been with Jesus or these men are different. Where do they get this power and these words from? They get it from um, the Holy Spirit. They said it with authority. They said it with clearness. But they also said it out of love, out of meekness, and out of gentleness. When we have gentleness in the appropriate way, when we are meek, we are placing our strength under God's guidance. Our strength under God's guidance. We are following what He wants us to do. And that means, and that includes, calling one another out. In fact, in the very next chapter, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so for those of us who know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for those of us who have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, we should confront one another, other believers, and help correct them in poor or improper behavior. We should call them out when we need to, and we should not be so weak and so timid and so scared to do that, that we don't do it, but instead we should do it with what? Love and gentleness and patience, you see. But it is not an excuse to not tell another brother or a sister there is a problem with the way you are living, there is a problem with what's going on, or just to encourage them even in a better walk with the Lord. We ought to be doing this. But do it with meekness and gentleness, just as Christ did. Now self-control, this last one, again the King James calls it temperance. This may be the hardest one, don't you think? You know, struggle with this. Self-control. The ability to control yourself. Hmm. Moderation. Constraint. The ability to say no. I really struggle with that one. To be honest, we don't exhibit self-control very well, do we? And all we have to do is look around at our world and see where people are enslaved by their own desires. Oftentimes those desires are not healthy and good for us. If we need self-control in our lives, we can read all the self-help books we want to. We can do all the right things. But the reality is, if we want help to control ourselves, then what should we do? We should have the Holy Spirit living inside of us because that is something that the Holy Spirit will give us when we give over to let the Holy Spirit rule and run our lives. We may look at this idea of self-control as a negative thing, but the reality is it is a freeing thing. If we have self-control over what we do and think and eat and go and read and all these types of things in our lives, then we are actually freer than if those things are burdening us down. But the reality is society will tell you the opposite. There are many people in my life who say, why don't you do this? Or you know you'd be a lot happier if you did X. I just kind of chuckle because it's not true. The ability for me to have any amount of self-control over myself that the Lord gives me to keep me from doing wrong and to keep me doing right is, in a sense, more freeing than if I was a slave to the passions of my body and the passions of my lust. 
Does that make sense? If you want to be free from the things that so easily control you, then pray to God and seek self-control, not by your own strength, but by letting the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you bloom and blossom that fruit. Let me read these two verses in a different translation as we come to a close. This is from the Amplified Version, which will add some words to help in context. And there are brackets, and so if you physically read this, you would see the difference, but I'm just going to read it to you out loud. It says as follows, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for another, joy, which is inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So brothers and sisters, when we think about what we are to do as believers, what we are to do as those of us who call ourselves Christians, what we are to do when we receive the Spirit of God living inside of us, we should flee from the things that are actually listed in the verse before this that we shouldn't do. And we should instead focus on these things, but we must understand the fruit of the Spirit is a change in our character, in our character that comes about because of His work in us. I can be nicer on the outside, but I can't truly be good unless it's from the Holy Spirit. I can be more patient on the outside, but I can't have patience uh, coming out of me if it's not from the Holy Spirit. We cannot do these things on our own any more than we can get saved on our own. These are the work, the result of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so if you look at these as fruits, as things that are blooming and coming out of us, I'll try to conclude with the question that I started with. Which of these is growing well for you? Are you loving? Do you have joy? Is there peace in your life? Are you patient? Are you kind? Is there goodness? Faithfulness? Gentleness is a mark of your life, perhaps self-control? Which of those do you need to work on? Do you need more love? Do you need to let the Spirit of God show the joy that comes from knowing Him? Do you need peace in your life that comes only from knowing the Spirit? Do you need to be more long-suffering and gentle? Do you need to have more goodness or faith? Do you need to have meekness or temperance? Because the reality is, those of us who know Him, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and His desire is to help produce these works in our lives if we would only get out of the way and let Him do it. We need to quit trying on our own strength to do these things and step back and let the Holy Spirit of God do these things. Why? Because against these things there is no law, and I believe in them is a tremendous amount of freedom. And I'm not lying and saying things that are false against someone else or going in and starting problems. It's for sure a lot easier to live life, isn't it? You know, to keep up with everything you've told someone else. 
brothers and sisters, we need to consider these things and we need to consider when we act against them. Will you let the Holy Spirit give you joy and peace? Or are you fighting against that? And that may sound a little strange when it comes out of my mouth and I'm not sure I can explain it, but maybe you can, as you listen, think about this before. Have you ever felt like God's joy was there and yet you kind of pushed it down for whatever reason? You ever felt an amount of peace in your life but instead sought something else to kind of bring up a little trouble? You ever wanted to give patience and said, well, it'll be okay when instead you go the opposite direction? You see, these things are the opposite of what our bodies want to do, what our fallen personality wants. And so they war within us. And brothers and sisters, I'll just say it one more time. All you are required to do is to simply let the Spirit of God have His way in your life and to do what He tells you to do. How do you do that? In prayer, spending time with Him, in reading the Scriptures, in doing what the scriptures tell you to do, and asking him for these things. And just as a reminder, those who have never experienced the love of God for the first time, you don't have love and joy and peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. You have the opposite. And the only way to receive the fruit of the Spirit is to let the Spirit of God come inside of you. And the only way that He will do that is when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that today, it's a good thing He's long-suffering. At least right now. And for those of us who have, He's still long-suffering. Maybe you feel like you haven't got one of these down. I don't know which one it is. Maybe instead of love, there's bitterness in your heart. Maybe instead of long patience, there's impatience. Maybe instead of faithfulness, there's a lack of it. Maybe instead of gentleness, there's anger and harshness. Brothers and sisters, whatever it is, we must give over to the Holy Spirit who's living inside of us to change us from the end side out to be like who to be more like our savior jesus christ so as we have a hymn i want us to think sincerely a time to reflect what is it in your life that's producing fruit which of those do you think is doing okay and which of those do you need to improve on And when you identify the one that you must improve on, don't think you can go home and do it yourself. Instead, no, ask the Lord to help you improve that. Help, let him help you through the Holy Spirit to bear much fruit. Because we can keep trying all we want to, and the result will be the same. But with God, all things are possible. And he is the one who gives good things, and these are the good things that he wants to give us.